Welcome to WADA, ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by Southeast ADA Center, your leader for information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. And here's your host. everybody and good afternoon. Welcome to WADA ADA Live. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University and the ADA National Network, I want to welcome you to episode 48 of ADA Live. I'm Barry Whaley, the project director of the Southeast ADA Center, and our topic for today's show is food allergies and the rights of individuals with allergy-related disabilities under the ADA. Many people may not know that food allergies can impact a major life area, and therefore people with food allergies can have protections under the ADA. As a reminder, listeners, you can submit your questions about food allergies and the rights of individuals with allergy-related disabilities under the ADA or any of our other topics at any time at adalive.org. Now it's my pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Daniel Newman. Dr. Newman is the Executive Director of Academic Support Services and the ADA 504 Coordinator at Lesley University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. His job is to oversee all disability services and ADA compliance, as well as arranging individualized tutoring for both on-campus and online students. Prior to Leslie, Dr. Newman directed educational programs at Cambridge College and the Brookline Center for Adult and Community Education. Hi, Dan. Welcome to our show. Hi, Barry. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Dan, in in December of 2012, there was a settlement agreement between Department of Justice and Leslie University to ensure that students with food allergies could fully and equally enjoy the university's food service in compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act. This is an area of particular interest to me because I happen to have a brother-in-law who has nut allergies. So if if you would, I'd like to start by having you talk about the lessons learned in your process of responding to the settlement. Yes, I think the important thing is that there is a system or institutional-wide response uh, to the needs of students with food-related disabilities. Uh, so it's really to think of all the different parts of the university that might be related from uh, CAs or RAs in residence life to food service to uh, facilities, um, all different uh, aspects who might have uh, a stake in supporting students with disabilities. So thinking of it as a system-wide issue, and bring everyone in to kind of support this, uh, as well as um, the need for clear communications with students about how to get services and where the services are and who to contact to get their support. I think those are kind of the major lessons learned, uh, as well as always thinking about um, students with every student is unique in their own way and to be able to speak to their needs as individuals uh, rather than just as a group. I think those are probably the major lessons learned. That's interesting. So it, it, it's it's more broadly applied than just food service. I mean, you're you're looking at a, a campus-wide initiative here. That's that that that's interesting. Uh, I, I would imagine that many aspects of the agreement 
would serve as a model for other schools as well, particularly those that require students to participate in a meal plan. Mm -hmm. um, my experience, however, has been that food service plans and dining options, they're, they're really not one size fits all. So I'm, I'm curious how Leslie University now accommodates students with, with specific allergens. You know, I, I, I think your food service provider would, would shop for specific food items requested by students with allergies. Right. That's one aspect of what we do uh, is that, um, well, it also helps that we are a fairly small school, so we can really work with each student individually with specific allerg uh, allergens uh, and um, needs for with food disabilities. Uh, we also have, we're in an urban area, so there are different places to shop, including a Whole Foods for different types of organic foods or specific types of foods. Uh, yes, so we have had... Uh, the ability for the food provider to receive shopping lists from students, this is just one aspect of our compliance, uh, and to go basically one day a week, uh, they would get the list and they would go, most likely would go to uh, like a Whole Foods, uh, which is in the area, and shop for those students with specific dietary or food-related needs and have it available for them for pickup. Uh, usually on Sundays, and they would have it for the week, and they may go another uh, time during the week. Uh, and maybe we're going to talk a little bit later about the challenges that we've we've had with uh, doing this. There's been some challenges with this aspect as well. But this is just one aspect of the support that we give. That's interesting. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So how well do you think these changes have worked? Um, you, you know, what's been the reaction to by, by your students to the choices that they have now? Oh, it's been great, and uh, we've gotten very, very good responses. We have done some surveying of students, and uh, particularly, well, we probably about a year or two into it, because uh, you know, there was always glitches along the way, uh, but they've been very, very pleased with it. And I can talk a little bit more detail, if you'd like, uh, about some of the things, challenges that we've had and how we've responded to it and how the students have really kind of appreciated, how we kind of, again, work with them individually. Sure, please do, yeah. Yeah, so one of the things we do, in fact, you're talking about it, and one of the details is this ability to shop, uh, have a grocery list or a shopping list that uh, uh, our uh, Bon Appetit is our food service provider, would then go and shop for them for during that week. When we first started this some years, uh, several years ago, uh, we had maybe 10, 12 students uh, with that particular aspect that they were looking for, for individualized uh, grocery list. And now it's like 30. <laughs> so it's really been increasing a lot. That's one of the challenges I think a lot of schools also have met, have to deal with, is the number of students and the growing and the complexity of students with, with different disabilities. So um, one of the challenges had been a growing number of students that were requesting this. We have a... Um, a list that they could kind of check off of different foodstuffs and food items, uh, but also there was, they could put in the, um, their own request. And what was going on was we had more and more students, and then students requesting things that were quite expensive or difficult to find, and maybe not have been specifically related to their disability. They would have to come back to us. We'd have to work with them and clarify what was the disability and what specifically was their uh, food-related needs. So one of the issues that also came up was that there are so many students now requesting it that 
the um, our food vendor wasn't able to get, or we let's say someone wanted a sweet potato and they would buy a potato type of thing. So it was kind of it was getting larger and larger, it was getting more and more expensive and difficult to do. So and the students were not happy with that aspect of it. So we decided what to do, and we experimented with it last uh, last year. We piloted a program which they can use their student uh, card, uh, which is used can be used for different vendors in the Cambridge area. One of which is uh, like a stop and shop and, and different markets, as well as the Whole Foods. And we calculated the cost, the general cost of the shopping, and we put that money onto their card. And we said, okay, uh, you're, you don't have the ability to have someone else shop, but you can go shop for yourself. So we worked out and we had a contract with the students, and it's worked out great. So that was a challenge that we, of the number of students, as well as the complexity of their needs, and it was becoming almost un, um, unwieldy when it was just the vendor doing it. But by doing it, allowing them to go shopping for themselves, for those who wanted to, those who had the largest issues um, were then able to do that, and it worked out fine. And we've since been very, very pleased with that. That's just one specific way of responding to kind of needs that have grown because the number of students have grown. That, that, that's a, a pretty unique solution to a very complex problem. Thank, yeah. Thanks so much for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious, a student comes to Leslie, how, how are they made aware of, of, of the modifications and the accommodations that might be available to them? Yeah, so in general, uh, we use uh, we have syllabus statements that we send out to faculty, all online, on campus, adjunct faculty, uh, and then the syllabus statements would include uh, contacts such as myself and my staff, um, and kind of a scripted thing to say to students about if they have any kind of needs, including food-related uh, needs to please contact us. We also, um, during student orientations, registrations, when we have open houses, we have accepted students day, we, um, my, I and my staff are there. We have information about all the stuff that we do, all the supports that we provide, but as well as specifically talking about food-related needs. So even before they kind of come in, they, uh, we're informing them. And again, we're a small enough school, about 1,600, 1,700 undergraduates, a much larger graduate population. Uh, so we can really reach out to everyone who's coming in. We also have, and this is actually interestingly enough, was one of the more complicated things, is getting our website <laughs> updated um, because that involved working uh, with different departments, different programs, and getting the information out there onto the website and with appropriate links. So, for example, on the dining services main page, um, it would have links to relevant dis disability services personnel information. For example, it would say on their on the dining services aspect of a Leslie University's website, would say if you have a food related allergy, please contact, or if you think you have a food related disability, please contact, and it'd be myself and my department. So, um, we'd also train our, we call them CAs, our RAs, their community advisors, in, the, in residence life. Um, we would have to, and this actually was required under the agreement with the Department of Justice, but we do it anyways, is do a training twice a year on our services. 
uh, with a particular focus on food-related disabilities because they're often the front line of people. They're the ones who's, you know, working with students in their uh, residence halls who may get questions about these things or they may observe something, you know, and then they would, would then be able to communicate directly to the students and saying, here's some contact people. Um, and they may contact us and we may then just reach out to the students. Uh, we also, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, other things that we do, and um, this is also under the agreement with the Department of Justice, um, but we had been doing it before, but we, we made it more accessible, is to uh, distribute notices concerning food allergies at all. We have five uh, dining halls, and uh, we post prominent notices in bold type, large, large font, about uh, if you have fruit allergy, be aware that we may handle and prepare foods that may have certain allergens in them. Please either contact the food uh, manager uh, or and or uh, the, the uh, disability services uh, department with, and here are all the contacts. And if they contact the food services manager, he knows we, we work almost on a daily basis together in contact with each other. He would then come right to us and say, this person's reached out to me and kind of work together to support that student. Also, we would post information about this is a gluten-free uh, area, say, in the student. In our main, main dining halls, there's an area, say, that would be gluten-free, and uh, or actually not gluten-free, made without gluten. And uh, there'd be notices right kind of in the food area, what's, what has, what's gluten-free, made without gluten, uh, what are some areas that say it has pasta and things like that that may have gluten in it. So we try to do throughout, again, that, that what I was talking about originally, about that systematic approach is that it's not just in the food line or whatever. It's not just disability services page. It's, it's all throughout. Whenever we have contact and communicate with students and, their, say, their parents, uh, information about who to contact, you know, kind of what the relevant information is. Right. Yeah, it seems seems very multidimensional that, mm -hmm. that that you're approaching it from from so many different areas. You, you, you'd mentioned uh, gluten a second ago, Dan, and, mm -hmm. and I, I have a, a a good friend who has a daughter uh, with celiac disease, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious if you could talk a little more about um, specifically what you offer to those students who who may need gluten free food. So we have. Uh, in a designated area, and this is actually an interesting issue, uh, again, this is part of the agreement with the Department of Justice, uh, foods made without gluten in a specific area of the, particularly in the main dining hall. We have one large dining hall, and oftentimes they'll prepare foods. They'll go out to the other dining halls. They're much they're smaller. So we have a specific area uh, uh, that foods prepared without gluten. And one of the issues is, again, we're a, a small school, and so the kitchen is very small. So we couldn't, it would be an undue burden to build out an entire new kitchen. Uh, and this was also in discussions with, with the Department of Justice, what would be appropriate. And so what we do is we have a section of the kitchen, uh, a, a cooking, a grill area, uh, that all the gluten-free uh, foods are made at, at one time. Uh, it may have uh, be used for non-gluten-free foods, uh, but it's, we have special, we, it's, been, it's cleaned off 
between the kind of making non-gluten and gluten-free foods. I mean, gluten foods with gluten and non-gluten and gluten-free foods. And then the cooking utensils are all marked uh, which ones are for gluten, uh, 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 foods that may include gluten and foods that are without gluten. So it's, it's, we keep it clean. Um, we use special utensils for one little area of the kitchen, but it's, that's kind of a, that is a difficult thing to do, but we're able to make it work. So um, did I answer your question? Let's make sure. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, thanks, okay. thanks okay. so much. Um, yeah. So, so a lot of attention, a lot of detail into keep, keeping those those foods and and the utensils themselves separate. So, th- thanks, Dan. Yeah. Um, okay, I can mention just another maybe, aspect of sure. for students with uh, gluten related uh, disabilities is uh, we do have a gluten free room. Uh, also, was in the in the Department of Justice uh, uh, agreement. And fortunately, there was a room, again, we're a small school, so we don't have a lot of extra rooms, but there was an extra room right next to the main dining hall, which is kind of the main part of campus, where a lot of the undergraduate students live in residence halls. And it's a gluten-free room, and it has a a refrigerator, heating area, storage areas, sink, kind of a cooking area, and... uh, the it is every Sunday, I believe every Wednesday, our our food uh, providers will buy basic foodstuffs, uh, gluten-free pastas, gluten-free breads, um, things like that, and it's filled with those things. So any student that has uh, a gluten al- a gluten type allergy. We'll work with my department, and we then work. With it. So they work also. We will then work with the food service, so they don't. So they know the number of students who have gluten gluten related issues, and those students will then uh, be given a special uh, card access to that room. So only they, myself, and the food vendors have access to that room to keep it to keep it clean, and they're trained yeah, in. No, I, I find that interesting. Go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah. And so the students are trained, like, basically, don't bring in foods that might – don't let your friends store foods there. Uh, and, uh, you know, be respectful. It's for everybody. So that one, uh, it's not like a student has a particular, like, uh, John Doe or Mary Smith. It, this is food for you and it's marked for you. It's for all students with uh, gluten-related allergies. And they'll come in and they'll, they'll take whatever they need. They could also kind of cook it there. Uh, so the um, students with – so kind of to clarify, students can order foods to be um, – order basic foodstuffs. These are students with any type of allergies. Um, those foodstuffs are purchased once or twice a week. They're put in bags with the students' names, and they're in, actually in another room right next to the, uh, the food provider is. And they'll pick up those bags of foods, bring it back to their residence halls. Every residence hall, by the way, has a kitchen, so they can cook a lot of their own foods. That's students with general allergies, food allergies. For students who have gluten-related uh, issues, there is also this separate room, um, basically for all of them, that has basic food stuff that they can come in and kind of get out. Or use and cook there. Right. Okay. Sure. So yeah. So that's yeah. 
Yeah. Th- th- thanks, Dan. Um, You're ADA Live listening audience, if, if you have questions about food allergies in the ADA, you can submit your questions at any time at our online forum at adalive.org. Let, let's pause for a second for a word from the Southeast ADA Center. The Southeast ADA Center is your leader in providing information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act and disability access tailored to the needs of business, government, and individuals at local, state, and regional levels. The Southeast ADA Center, located in Atlanta, Georgia, is a member of the ADA National Network and serves eight states in the Southeast region. For answers to your ADA questions, contact the ADA National Network at 1-800-949-4232. Welcome back to our show, folks. We're talking with Dr. Daniel Newman from Leslie University about food allergies and accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Dan, can, can students with food-related disabilities go off the meal plan, or are they, or are they bound to that? How, do, how does this work for them? Yes, yeah, so we, we try to encourage students to stay on the meal plan because we have these different ways of supporting them. Uh, but basically, the students who choose to do their own shopping, and these are students with any type of food-related uh, disability, and I said that, that number has increased, we will put most of the money that would have gone into their meal plan and you know, basically swipes that they can use at the uh, uh, different uh, cafeterias um, and food areas, and we put that money into, the, into their cards that they would then go shopping. So they're basically off the meal plan. We, will, we allow them... Uh, I believe it's say nine or ten meals during the week because, um, well, we're in, in northern area. There may be a, a blizzard, and you know they can't get out to the grocery store or something like that. You know, weather or whatever. So we don't want anyone to be stuck without food. So we do give them. Um, I believe it's about uh, nine meal swipes a week. And if it was an emergency, we could just increase it with no problem. So they're they are basically off the meal plan, with kind of a minimum meal plan at, at school. Well, I know we've kind of covered this, but, but Dan, you mentioned that Leslie is a small school, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the space needed to support these accommodations. You mentioned the, the room for, for folks with gluten issues. Um, can you talk a little more about the, the space accommodations for this? Yeah, I, I would say that basically it's, that it's the room that is in that one area. And because we're small, uh, it was acceptable the Department of Justice having in that kind of one space, even though there are other food areas, other food um, delivery areas, uh, cafeterias and things like that. Uh, so that one space, which is about 20 by 20 feet, it's actually fairly large and kind of extensive. And we, that's really it for kind of space, a physical space. Uh, if one could also say that the physical space of where people get their food and then they go into the food line and there's an area that is we call quote-unquote comfort foods um, but it's basically it's all gluten-free so that's kind of an area in the food delivery area that is uh, gluten-free and um, but really that's it for space so there's no other kind of spaces on the university physical spaces that are uh, dedicated to this. I see. And, and as you said, this is across, you said there were multiple um, food service areas. Mm-hmm. You, did you say five, I think? Yes. Is that, is that right? You said, yeah, okay. So, so each of those then would have 
some sort of space dedicated for for students with specific allergies? Yeah, so what we would do is just kind of the one main area, the one main cafeteria. The other spaces are much smaller. There's a, a smaller cafeteria, and then there's very small cafes, which are just small rooms. It's, some of them are even self-serve. What we do in all the areas, but particularly looking at in the smaller areas, is all the foods are marked. So there is a, um, uh, especially if there's self-serve uh, food areas, that the students would open up a little closet area and they could pull out a uh, uh, fruit salad or whatever, uh, pre-made things that they would then kind of, they would then purchase. Each of those little things would be marked. Each of the foods would be marked. So we have like vegan, we have different things that be a V, but if it's gluten-free, there's a little sign that has like a G with like a cross in it. So showing that it's made without gluten. So those things are pre-marked. In, um, so if students are going to our much smaller areas and kind of self-purchasing foods that are pre-made, they'll know that it's made without gluten. Um, we'll also uh, have trained, if someone's behind the, the counter at any of those places, any of our smaller food areas, uh, to be able to answer questions. There's, as I said before, there are clearly marked uh, signs saying, uh, please ask food manager any questions. Also, you can talk to disability services any questions. So um, one of the things, by the way, this is a little bit on the side, is that we, we did try was to do delivery. And that would be literally delivering the f meals to, to students. Uh, that's also part of the agreement. So we, we put that together, and basically no one ever asked for meals. So uh, it went up for maybe a couple months, a few people wanted meals delivered. But in the end, they wanted to go to the food halls, the, the dining halls or the, cafe, the little cafes that we have. And so it's important to kind of keep those up to, up to snuff <laughs> with all the correct information. Uh, but there's no in this particularly in the smaller ones. There's no separate area if you know if you have if you have a gluten uh, allergy or other food related disabilities. I see. Um, so you had mentioned that that the residence halls themselves that you can prepare food there as well. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm I'm curious what safeguards are in place in those smaller residence hall uh, areas. So we let those students know. Well, some of them are suites, which have their own little kitchens, which are e which are easier. But some of them are, you know, again, we don't have very very large. That's also unique, and we're smaller. Um, it's in the middle of, of Cambridge, which is an urban area. So we we have little Victorian homes and smaller buildings. So the uh, during the uh, say orientation for new students when they're coming into their residence halls, they're taught about keeping things clean and washing things off. And they use their uh, own utensils, uh, but there are like ki small kitchenettes and things like that. The students uh, know, and they're who have food-related disabilities who are bringing the food back and maybe cooking the gluten-free spaghetti or whatever it is uh, that they're responsible to ensure. At that point, we can't really oversee that. So it's that they are responsible for ensuring that they're using their own pots and pans and their own utensils uh, to keep things clean. I see. Right. I'm curious, go, going going back to the food service provider uh, mm -hmm. itself, what um, what sort of safeguards are in place to to ensure that they follow through on on the accommodations? Well, there's several. One is is that uh, we I will go uh, once or twice a semester 
um, without warning <laughs> and go to each of the food uh, service uh, areas. And I have like a checklist going through to ensure that I see, uh, like I said before, that, that if it's a self-service area, that the food is properly marked uh, with the little stickers saying what, what if it's made, made without gluten, et cetera. Uh, I will go into the, the room, the gluten-free room, make sure that everything's proper in there, we'll look in the cabinets and the fridge, making sure there's nothing there that, that seems uh, it might be allergenic, particularly for, with gluten in it. I will then um, meet with the head of food services several times, uh, a term to kind of go over any questions or concerns. I mean, we, we have a very good, and we talked about communications before. It's very important to have good communications with your manager of, of food services. Um, we're, we're constantly in touch with each other anyways. I mean, students will tell us off, and so, and they're very, very responsible. Um, bon appetit. So the other thing is that there is, um, they do the Serve Safe certification. That's in the food, food vendors about uh, allergens, allergens and keeping things clean. And they will do that every, I believe it's every year. Uh, they, have, they have their own nutritionist that works for the company. Um, she comes every... I think once a year, and um, I'll meet with her with the, as well as the manager and talk about any kind of new, there might be new issues out there, new concerns, uh, new ways of responding to allergies. Um, they do staff training. We ensure they, and they sign off. I get the, the list of everyone who's attended the staff training, talking about celiac, food allergy awareness, avoiding cross-contamination, how to, you know, store food and things like that. So, uh, Again, that communication connection is very, very important with everyone, but particularly with your food vendors, to ensure that they're kind of following proper procedures. Right, of course. Hey, Dan, we're almost out of time. I'm, I'd like for you, if you could, to describe some of the challenges you're currently facing. Um, and also, I'd like for you to leave our audience with some advice about what to consider when, when implementing a food plan that addresses such a broad range of allergies. Right. So, again, that, that issue we had with the shopping list, that, uh, that was a, a really big challenge. It was getting expensive for our food vendor uh, that more and more students were using it, and therefore there was more of a uh, chance for, things, for the wrong thing to be purchased or to not be purchased because there's so many students using the shopping list. So the ability to have them then go off, um, go use their own, their university card, and go uh, purchasing their own kind of staples and foods at local markets uh, with, um, has really kind of helped support that. Uh, the issue also is um, oftentimes because the meal plan is expensive itself, a lot of students just say, oh, I just want to go off the meal plan. And only in those kind of special situations. Uh, so emotion because money's involved with the meal plan and they want, everyone wants to go off the meal plan because it is expensive um, and saying, no, no, it's only for this type of situation for the students in this uh, situation. Um, working with students and parents and clarifying that um, is very, very, has been a challenge, uh, but it's something we have to kind of, we have to do. Uh, also, also looking for something that seemingly small could have a big effect. And so it's always a challenge one must really look very carefully when you do 
when I do my tour and look around of the um, the different cafeterias and dining halls, uh, for example, in one area we had a panini press, and that the students could then use, and I'm, and I <laughs> and I realized, wait, uh, a student may have gluten free have a gluten free allergy and they'll use gluten free breads or whatever. They can't use that panini press now because someone else's may have used it with regular white bread. And so we had to get another panini press and then mark that it's one is for gluten-free, one's for uh, uh, regular types of breads. So little things that may seem, oh, that's not a big deal, can have a, obviously a devastating effect on the student and their health. So that's always a challenge and it's never-ending. Um, and it becomes more of a challenge as you have more students with more complex dietary um, food-related issues, and just the absolute number of students with disabilities is, is increasing. So always kind of looking out for those things. Um, so I would say those are kind of the, the main kind of constant concerns or issues that we're always kind of working on. Well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, th thank you for this conversation. It's been very interesting. Uh, listeners, we've been talking today with Dr. Daniel Newman, the Executive Director of Academic Support Services and ADA 504 Coordinator at Lesley University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Remember that this episode and all our previous ADA episodes are on our website at adalive.org. I want to thank our audience for listening today. We're always thankful for your great support and listening to our ADA Live broadcasts. And remember, you can submit your questions for any of these topics at adalive.org. I hope you'll join us on October 4th. We'll be celebrating National Disability Employment Month and our month, and our guest will be Katie Whaley from the University of Kentucky's Human Development Institute. And she'll be discussing customized employment for people who have significant impact of disability. If you have questions about the ADA, you can contact your center at 1-800-949-4232. And remember, all calls are free and confidential. Thank you for listening to ADA Live Talk Radio. Brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center. Remember to join us the first Wednesday of each month for another ADA topic. And you can call 1-800-949-4232 for answers to your ADA questions.